Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. We're going to continue talking today about growing in gratitude. Michael's been been uh, been talking about that. We're going to review some scriptures, talk a little bit more about some things that he's talked about. But there's a lot of power in us being thankful. There's a lot of power in us having gratitude in what God has done for us. So we're going to talk about that this morning. If you would, you can grab your Bible or you can just read along here with me. We're going to start, uh, we're going to pull up the scriptures again from Luke chapter 11. It says this, And on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices. You guys, for those of you who don't know, they had to stand at a distance and then lift up their voice because if they came close, they, their punishment was death. They would be stoned to death. So they were, they were looking for Messiah to do something with to help them, but they knew that they couldn't come close to him or come close to the people. And then they cried out in their, in their loud voices. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And they went, um, as, and as they went, they were cleansed. The priests back in the day had to, had to officially call people cleansed if they were ever cleansed from leprosy. So he tells them, well, you need to go to the priests and let them basically declare you as healed. And as they went, their leprosy had gone away. Then in verse 15, it says this, Then one of them, when he saw uh, that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. Verse 16, And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, as he was a Samaritan. Do you ever wonder why, why is it that, that, that Luke puts this in, that we hear this part of the story, that he was a Samaritan? Just like with the good Samaritan, there was, there's some different stories, and we'll get to, to them in the New Testament, that the Samaritans really did stuff that the Jews should have done. And in, in the Gospels, we read this because and it's not in an antagonistic way at all, of course, but it's to say, you Jews are supposed to be doing this. You're the one to rescue the guy that's, that's on the side of the road that needs to be fixed, that needs to be healed, that needs to be bandaged. But who came in? The person that's unlikely, the person that, that the Jews did not affiliate with. So Jesus really wants to point that out, that, that he was a Samaritan. Then he says this in verse 17, Then Jesus appeared, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was, one, was no one found to return to give praise to God except for this foreigner? He's making a point that the Jews, that the guys, the other nine that were healed, should have been, they should have also returned, but only, the, only one did. And it would be the one that you didn't expect. I don't know about you guys, but when, uh, and I've shared a little bit of this before, but when I, when I met the Lord, I had a drinking problem for three years. I tried to quit for two years and I couldn't do it. And when I met the Lord, the morning that I will never, ever forget it, 1981, April the 5th, 1981, I accepted Christ. And the morning that I accepted Christ, I knew when this pastor 
It was in a church of probably five or 600 people. He went to this little room and he explained the gospel to me and he prayed with me. And I knew when he prayed for me, that thing that controlled me inside, that monster that controlled me, I knew it was gone. I knew it was dead. And my life really radically changed after that, where I'd I probably shared this with you guys before. I knew nothing about the Bible. I, I heard things and even read things myself after being a pretty new Christian that, that Jesus did the Sermon on the Mount. But I always saw these pictures of Jesus on, you know, uh, before Easter or before he was crucified where he's, on the, where he's mounted on the donkey. I thought that meant Jesus just preached from a donkey. So I knew nothing about the Bible. The Sermon on the Mount was actually, he was on a mountain, not mounted on a donkey. I thought the Holy Spirit zipped around like a superhero and helped people. I had no idea. I thought Joseph in the Old Testament somehow grew a gazillion years old and he was Jesus' father. I had no idea there were two different Josephs in the Bible. I knew nothing. But, I, what, when, but God radically changed my life. And I dug into the word, and I can tell you this, I was so thankful for being delivered. How many of you guys have ever had anything radical like that happen with you? Where you've had just a radical encounter with God, and you something happens, and you, or you go from dark to light. You go from midnight to dawn, and you are rescued. And that's what it was like for me, and that's what I believe it was like for the Samaritan. Then in verse 19, we'll continue here. He said, he said to him, rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Let's look at Second uh, Peter chapter 1. This is the part, of the part of what we experience when we experience these, incre- these crazy, deep, intimate encounters with God. In, in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I love sharing this with new believers because they say that they're really not sure exactly how to walk out their life. I didn't know exactly how to walk out my life as a new believer. But the Bible tells us here that God had, there's a divine power. There's something that we can partake in. There's something that will, it can engulf our lives that will, um, that is divine. It's powerful and it helps us live, step out of our old life and into our new life with him. It says that, um, he has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of a divine nature. You guys, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 5, <clears throat> tells us that if you're a new creation, if you've accepted Christ, you're a new creature. You're a new creation. When you partake in his divine nature and you, and you allow his divine power to to engulf you, incredible things happen. And that's how we step out of our new life or out of our old life into our new life. And this goes on and it says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of the sinful desire. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning. As you go, we're all continually, hopefully, all of us as followers of Jesus, we're all continually going through some kind of a transformation, right? Am I right? None of us have reached this place <clears throat> where we feel like, well, you know what? I've really kind of accomplished what I wanted to accomplish in Jesus. No, we're always shedding off the old person and trying to take on the new person. Amen? Amen. 
So there's a, there's a transformation that takes place, and the transformation helps us. The more that we're thankful, the more that the transformation can take place. The more that we're thankful, the, the more benefits that we have, and it helps us to keep our focus. I'll give you just a few points of that in just a second here. Let's um, <clears throat> look at this, what I put on the screen. When our heart is continually thankful, it becomes easier to walk in our divine nature. How many of us, we go through times where life gets really, really hard, and sometimes it's hard to be thankful. Am I right? Because sometimes the, the things in our life can be, just feels like you're living kind of under a tidal wave. But the more that we are thankful, the more that we can participate in something that's divine, a divine nature, something that's directly from heaven to you. Look in, Rome, in, in uh, Romans chapter 1. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is, it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew, then the Gentile. For in the gospel, uh, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from the first to the last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Sometimes when we feel like we need to be thankful and we're growing in gratitude, really what it is is it's just a step of faith. God, I don't really feel like things are happening that are really helping me right now, but I'm going to continue to thank you for where I am. I'm going to continue to thank you for some other things in my life. But the Bible, well, let me keep reading here. Verse 18 says this, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godless, godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since uh, what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. We are out excuse. People in the world are out ex without excuse to really recognize God and who he is. Verse 21, for although we, they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Man, if we were ever, ever living in a time where people are deceived and there's darkness, it's now. I just, um, I was, I've been listening to some podcasts by this guy about reaching Generation Z. That's a, kind of the teenagers um, and the up and coming college age folks. And, um, but he, he's talking about how now just anything and everything spiritual is kind of thrown into one basket and everything's just really good and you can kind of pick kind of pick and choose but there's you know in the 80s for those of you that were around and can remember we remember like there was a lot of channeling going on and people were worshiping crystals and all this kind of stuff where a lot of that stuff now is kind of making its way back into that generation but there's so much deception there's so much deception and there's so much darkness. But I will tell you this, I really believe, and I know people have been saying this for a long time, and I've never really thought this or said this like I believe now, I really believe that Jesus is not far off from coming back. I, re I really believe that. I really believe that, that uh, I believe the Lord is using uh, different things. Uh, I believe one of them is 
no matter what you think of him or you like him or you don't like him, but I believe God's used President Trump to arrange things in Israel that is getting things ready for, the, for Jesus to return to this earth. There's so many things that you can see that are being set up um, in, the, uh, in the Middle East and with different things. But um, we are in, definitely in this place. Look at the, the words here in the Greek for not glorified him as God. It means to not value and to not esteem. I'm going to give you um, a few points this morning that I hope will encourage you and will lead you to to continue to grow in gratitude and to be more thankful. The first one is number one is thankfulness changes your identity. I believe that we're living in 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 a culture now where and, and please don't get me wrong. There's people that are dealing with a lot of emotional things. People have been through um, a lot of abuse, physical, sexual abuse, and things like that. And honestly, I don't know if it's just happening more or if we just hear about it more because of all the electronics that we have. But there's so many things that are happening where um, um, there's just a lot of troubled kids. I have a friend in... Um, Knoxville, or excuse me, in, in, in Colorado Springs that uh, committed suicide this past week. And I went on the, I went on the, the local news to find out um, the little details about what happened to her. And uh, when I did, I read on there, there was a nine-year-old that committed, a nine-year-old girl that committed suicide in Colorado. You guys, we're living in heavy, heavy times. And I, mean, I believe part of what's happened is that people that are either bipolar or they feel like they're the wrong skin color or they have all these different emotional things or they're too poor or their family didn't treat them right. And I'm not, believe me, there's a lot of those things are very, very real and they're real to you and they're things that have to be dealt with. But part of the problem is those things become your identity. Your identity is that you were abused a long time ago. And so this becomes your identity. And especially as a believer, your identity is in Christ Jesus, not in your sickness, illness, culture, color, race. Your identity is in him. So the more that you're thankful, the more that your identity rises up inside right here. And you know who you are in Jesus. Number two. Thankfulness keeps your faith God-focused. Man, there are times that God's either maybe spoken something to us that we know is going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. There's things that maybe your people here, maybe you've asked God to bring you a great wife or a great husband, and it hasn't happened yet. But being thankful helps you to keep your faith God-focused. Number three, Thankfulness allows the Holy Spirit to speak through your emotions. Man, I'll tell you what, I need that, and I need it a lot. There are times that we're going through things where maybe people in our family are really sick, or someone's died, or um, just things are really, really tough, and we're trying to make a decision. One of the hardest things about God speaking to us in times where we really need Him to is when we're too emotional. Am I right? When we're too emotional, it's hard for us to really recognize his voice. But that's why he tells us that Jesus instructed us to go into our secret place, to go into that secret place, to go in that place to pray and let him whisper things to you. I want to share a a story with you guys. Um, I know I say this from time to time, but um, 
I like when I'm hearing someone speak. I like when I hear about their life because I feel like I get to know them. I like what's been going on in their life. And I know I tell you guys kind of stories of different things I've been through or different things I've experienced, experience, but I'm going to show you a picture of this guy. This guy's name's Michael. And uh, this was the night before I got married at the rehearsal dinner. He was doing a toast and he became one of my all-time best friends. And um, um, about probably a year, year and a half before our um, the, before I got married, before this picture was taken, um, I was going to a church. It was my first time at this church in Southern California. There was a church of 12,000 people. They had four Sunday morning services and two Sunday night services. And it was really interesting because when you would go to church there, you didn't just walk in the church and go pick willy nilly, kind of pick your seat and you could kind of sit in the back or the front or off to the side because they were trying to get people in so quickly in and out of the church services because you would go in the all these other sets of doors and then you would exit other doors and it was kind of like you know you know you're kind of like you feel like you're just herding cattle in and out so i just got in line and i got in line and i went in this church so when you went in the ushers uh, uh ordered everybody or ordered or led everybody to you filled up the first rows and you filled up the rows until you got to the back so you could save a seat for maybe five minutes if your wife had to run to the bathroom or something but you had to fill up the seats quickly and they got you out quickly to keep things moving uh, uh in a good in a good manner anyway so I, I go in it's my first time there i don't know a soul at this twelve thousand uh, member church and the this guy comes in and sits next to me and you'd think that this guy's life was going great because he's a nice looking guy, had a great job. Let me show you where this guy lived. He lived in this house. Isn't that crazy? See if anybody recognizes this house. This next picture. Anybody recognize this house from TV? The Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, this is the house where from the TV show and from the movie where they filmed the outside and part of the inside of the Beverly Hillbillies. And this guy, Michael, lived in this house. He had access, access to 15 classic cars. But when I met him at church, he came and he sat down. I listened to the message. The pastor at the end of the service said, hey, I'm just going to have you meet with a couple of people sitting around you and just pray whatever needs you have. And so there was a couple that sitting in, in front of Michael and me, and like I said, we didn't know each other. We introduced ourselves. And they said, what do you need prayer for? And he said, I'm miserable. And he said, I'm miserable because I thought I had everything that I wanted, but I was raised in church. And I've been living a homosexual life, and I'm miserable. And I remember um, um, just, one, appreciating his boldness. But so we prayed for him and it was crazy. The very next weekend we went on a retreat. This is before I was married and we were on a retreat. And it was all like college age career people. And there was about 900 people there from this big church. And uh, I went on this retreat. I didn't know anybody. And this guy, Michael, ended up being my roommate. So we got this really good connection. And um, I watched him transform he had been raised in church. His dad was a pastor in Florida. And I watched him come out of the gay lifestyle and be this incredible godly man. And you know what? Uh, there's a church here in town that I really respect. I've been listening to some teachings they do. They've been doing some teaching on sexuality and what the church should do and how we should react to transgender people and all that kind of stuff. It's been really interesting. But you know what, though? I hardly ever, ever hear anymore if you're in homosexuality, God will deliver you. 
I believe, this is just my opinion, I hope I'm okay saying this, Michael, but I believe the church has been so busy trying to figure out how do we react to homosexuals or transgenders, how do we re- which we do need to figure out how we're going to do that and do it in a godly way. But we, I think we've been sometimes so consumed with how do we react and how are we going to treat these people when they come to us, which we need to do that. And uh, the other part, I think we've been so afraid of being classified as a hater because we're not for something that... I believe some of us have forgotten the message of you can be delivered and this is not God's best for you. So um, I'll show you this other, another picture here so you won't have to look at uh, Jed Clampett much longer. Um, but anyway, so this is at the rehearsal dinner uh, the night before I got married. Anyway, so um, uh, Michael ended up getting married to a woman on December the 1st. I was in his wedding. And on June 1st, he calls us, he had actually moved from LA to San Francisco. He was managing a restaurant and moved there with his wife. She got a new job there. And he called us on June 1st and told us that he had AIDS. And we were, yeah, like you guys, we were devastated. This is 1985. Um, and uh, for those of you that weren't around then, but when people had AIDS back then and you told people, it was like people avoided going to the same toilet you were on. I mean, people freaked out. <clears throat> but you know what, let me tell you something about Michael. From the very beginning, he said, God has changed my life. He's changed my identity, and I'm thankful. And that's what he said all the time. I'm just so thankful. And he would talk about how thankful he was. So we started in San Francisco, started going to a doctor, started going to these different clinics. They were doing tests on him. I'll make the the long story short. He started getting tests, and then he would go in. The doctor's like, wait a minute, you weigh seven pounds more than you did last month. You should be losing weight. And he would just say, I'm thanking Jesus because he's healing me. And I watched him go through this process for about eight months. And that's all he, and he would call us sometimes and they would get tests and he would laugh, but he was thankful. And he would say, I'm just thanking Jesus because he's healing me. And he would tell me, and his wife would tell us on the phone that the doctors thought he'd lost his mind. But that's all he would say. Jesus is going to heal me, and I'm thanking him for it. And that's what he talked about all the time. He's still married and has five kids, and he's still alive. And I'll never forget when he called us up on the phone, and he said, the doctors are freaking out. They did six different tests, and they can't find the AIDS virus. So he had to go in and get test after test, and finally he said, I'm not coming back because I told you guys, Jesus is healing me. You guys, when we are thankful, he transforms our lives and it helps us to stay God-focused and he changes our identity. Number four, thankfulness moves us to experience his power and his grace. His power and his grace takes us from the old person to the new person. Let me read to you out of, uh, if you would turn with me to your, to your Bible, and we'll finish up with this. First uh, Peter chapter 5. In verse 1, it says this, To the elders among you, I appeal as a, as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. But because you must 
uh, but be- not because you must. Oh, sometimes we feel like we must. Not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who who are older. All of you clothe yourselves in humidity. Humidity. That would be in Miami, Florida. We would do that. All of you clothe yourselves in humility toward one another because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. You guys, we, I've talked about this before, but grace is something really powerful. It's something that moves you into who he's calling you to be. And it takes you and it transforms you into something that you never thought you could be. But the more grateful we are, the more humble we are, the more thankful we are, the more he moves in us and he, and he makes us that new creation. Last point here. Thankfulness reminds us of our victories and that he's our provider. You know, I want to encourage you this morning, if you're going through a tough time right now, maybe financially, or you're just dealing with um, just different challenges in your life. Sometimes if you can't be thankful for where you're at right now, be thankful for the victories that have been in the past. Be thankful for the victories that's come in the past and, and, and thank him for always being your provider. I'm sure a lot of you guys, just like I have, we've experienced times where we needed something right now. And sometimes something happens right now. But sometimes we just have to wait. Sometimes we have to wait. And in those times, we can just be thankful and just wait. Because you know what? If God answered everything all at one time, every time we ask, we may as well just get the genie in the lamp. Because God's, I have to tell myself this all the time too, God's more interested in my relationship with him than he is in answering my prayer requests. I want to show you a quick video. It's about three minutes. Um, if you guys can, make, make sure that we're, the audio is all working good on that. But this is a, a guy that uh, goes all over the Middle East. He has these, uh, these video series out called That the World May Know. Um, I got the privilege of doing all the marketing stuff for him when I worked at a big ministry in Colorado. But um, I love what he teaches here, and I love this message. So can you uh, put in the video for me? As part of the shepherd lesson, I did want to look at one thing in the wilderness that will maybe surprise you a bit. Believe it or not, this is called wilderness midbar, but it's also called green pastures. Now, when you take a Westerner here the first time and you look at this, you find people say, well, I don't know that I can go there because the Psalm 23, the Lord leads me into green pastures has been pictured as belly deep alfalfa. Well, you haven't seen any belly deep alfalfa. And from biblical time to today, it's rare to see a flock in the farm country. There isn't a lot of farm country in this culture. And so farmers kept the shepherds out as much as they could. Maybe they would come in a little bit after the harvest to glean what was left, but you don't want sheep where you can farm. This is the land of the shepherd. Right on the hillside across from us, you can see those grazing trails cut there by sheep 
maybe as long ago as Abraham's time. They're spaced so that an animal on one path and an animal on another can reach right to the middle between them. That determines the distance, so you can graze an entire hillside. And the shepherds lead their sheep across that hillside slowly, grazing what's there. Now, you look at it from here and you say, what's there? In fact, I remember my first impression. I woke up one morning, I was sleeping out in the wilderness, and I remember waking up, watching a flock of sheep on a hillside like this, and my, my feeling was, what are those rock-eating sheep? I mean, what do they eat? How can you call this green pastures? Well, the answer is, there's a small amount of moisture present here. They get a little bit of rain every year. Not much, but a little. Second, there is humidity in the air, especially in the evening breeze, like right now. You can feel it coming from the west off the Mediterranean. There's moisture in the air. That moisture, combination of the rain and the humidity, condenses or drips along the edge of these rocks here. And if you notice, right around the rocks, almost always next to the rocks, you get little tufts of green. Get one a moment. That's what we refer to as the green pastures. So the shepherd looks for a hillside. That's exactly what she was doing. Look at that flock across from us there. Just stunning. Those two shepherd girls have found a hillside that either was exposed to the wind or had that small amount of rain. And they move that flock across the hillside, and it's one mouthful here, walk a step or two, another mouthful, another mouthful, another mouthful. Now that changes the green pasture image a little bit, besides the picture changing radically. Green pastures are not everything you need for the rest of your life. If you make that belly deep alfalfa, then what God is saying, if you follow me, I'm going to plunk you down and you'll never have to move an inch the rest of your life. Just reach out and grab it. Tell me that your life with God has been like that. Worry, said one rabbi, is dealing with tomorrow's problems on today's passion. In the desert, you learn, the shepherd will get you what you need for right now. Ten minutes from now, you trust the shepherd. Just enough. That's a whole different perspective on that, doesn't it? <clears throat> Would you guys stand up with me? I just want to read one last verse to you. It says this, Behold, God, you are my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil to my enemies. And in your faithfulness, you will put an end to them. With a free will offering, I will sacrifice to you, and I will always give thanks to you and thank you that I trust you and I can trust in your good name. For you will always deliver me, and I will always look to you and be thankful. Let's take a minute and pray. Heavenly Father, I pray so much this morning that people here have been encouraged by your word and that your Holy Spirit has used me to to assist them and to encourage them. Lord, we are thankful. We are thankful for who you are and how you love us. And we thank you, Lord, that just like the song we sang this morning, there's no 
wall you won't kick down. There is no lie you won't tear down that you pursue us. We thank you that there's no mountain that you won't climb up. Help us to remain thankful to you, Lord. Help us to stay focused on you, Lord. For those of you that are here this morning, if you're in a place where you're really trusting God for some specific things and it's just challenging, would you just lift your hand up this morning? I just want to pray with you. Great, you can put your hand down. Anybody else? Maybe you're trusting God, you're believing God for your kid, one of your kids or your kids to come back to him. You need him to do something miraculous in your life. Just lift your hand up and I'll pray for you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and continue to comfort and to heal and to minister to the people that raised their hand this morning. I pray that you would help them to remain thankful. Help them to remain thankful for the things that you've done and to trust you for a great transformation for things to turn around in their lives, Father. For those of you who are here this morning, raise your hand. He wants to do great things in your life. Don't think it's about you and how much you have prayed or not prayed or read your Bible. Maybe you've been in a place where you've been discouraged. Talk to him this morning. Continue to talk to him. He is your deliverer. He is your deliverer. There's some of you this morning, you're here, you really do need a deliverance, something serious in your life. He is your deliverer. And we thank you for this, Lord. We thank you that you do bring us to those place of green pastures, but you give us what we need and we wait. We wait, we wait. And we thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for our gathering this morning, Father, and you being in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.